hear me? I love it. Hello, all. We have now entered a very interesting world. It's called Hour 16 of the 24-Hour Podcast, Advantage Kids. And I am here with a wonderful man. Um, his name is Charlie. Some will call him Charlie Reyes. Some some would. Some would. Some um, would. My mama might not call me Charlie, but some would. Some would. Um, and it's just like, I mean... This day has been exhausting, but the one thing that has kept me up is not the caffeine. It's the sheer degree of friendship that has showed up at wild hours. And Charlie showed up after work to just come fucking shoot the shit with me. Um, Charlie, as I've been having everyone do, um, I would like you to describe yourself like... Gold, silver, bronze in terms of like the things that you love spending your time doing the most. Um, okay. I think gold for me is really easy. Um, it kind of permeates all facets of my life. Uh, I listen to music all the time. Um, for me, it's more than a hobby. It's, a, it's how I communicate in life. So that would be gold for me. Uh, silver. Um, I read a lot, but not. Books. I read a lot of comic books. Yeah, you do. A lot of graphic novels. Uh, so that would be silver. Um, bronze, I would say, believe it or not, is uh, family more than anything. I believe it. Um, I uh, I work a lot. Um, and in the time that I have off, I find ways to... Like, I have a very small nuclear family. Uh, and by extension, like my dogs are the family's dogs. So I, I tend to hang out with them. So I think if I had to pick three things that I did with more frequency than anything, it would probably be those three things. What's your background? Um, it, ethnically? Yeah. Uh, so my both my parents are from Ecuador, okay. uh, South America. But I was born and raised here. Um, super, super weird or interesting uh, upbringing for me because um, Ecuador is one of those countries in South America that if you don't live in a neighborhood that is outright described as such uh-huh. you kind of end up falling into the uh the new york the universal new york question when you're brown are you puerto rican or mexican uh happens a lot or it yeah. happened a lot anyway for me um so that was weird but it was also weird for me because i grew up in harlem andrea said that shit all the time also you know, Re- really her peruvian ass you know yeah you know it happens a lot same shit you know? i i remember once someone asked me what part of mexico ecuador was in when i told them where i was from yeah. um but yeah so living in harlem is a unique experience but also living where i lived uh so i grew up on 123rd in lexington which is middle will, of the island yeah, yeah. So if you go one block east, you're technically in El Barrio, in Third Avenue, yeah, yeah. Purple Top Gang, Taino Towers, all yeah. that stuff. But then if you go one block west, then you know you're like, you're basically on Lenox Ave, Martin Luther King Boulevard, like right there. So it was it was a very unique um, upbringing because I got I got to experience the best and worst of both worlds. It was really cool. Yeah. One thing that's been like really fun about today is like I've had homies exclusively come on but i've like you know you realize that like you people you know sometimes like you became fast friends and you like skipped over some like origin stories yeah um which is like cool like i don't like i know you because you are a very highly 
regarded and respected and talented, um, not only bartender and restaurateur, but also like your, what I would even more than your ability to work at a restaurant, like you have a gift that is um, music curation. Um, you are responsible for all of the music that like plays in three restaurants, uh, Pasquale Jones, Legacy Records, Charlie Bird, which is, you know, earlier Grant and Eric were here. We were talking about it and um, which was the thing that lured me into this family that I consider myself very much in. Um, but I don't know how um, one you found a way to merge your love for music and your skill of bartending and working in a restaurant into a really incredible New York life where you get to do both of them at not your average restaurant group, but like a very high, like, I don't know what happened. What would the buildup to that was? I mean, I think, I think it's a matter of uh, just life experience for me and kind of holding on to the things that, um, that I went through and not forgetting them. Um, as brash and obnoxious as I can be sometimes, because I can be, it's in my nature. I'm from Harlem. Yeah. I, I'm also, I also tr never really forget where I came from or how I got to where I am, mm -hmm. which I think in a way kind of keeps me grounded a lot. Um, so I can think of, I can think of one specific moment in my life that kind of set the foundation for how I ended up at Charlie Bird. But then I can also think of the, the moment in my life where I chose Charlie Bird and they were both very important, like crossroads at where I for where I was at that point in my life. So, when I was living in New England, I lived in Rhode Island because I went to school at Johnson and Wales, and then I and I lived and worked in the restaurant and nightclub mm -hmm. scene there for a while. So, in two thousand and seven, um, I had I was abruptly fired from uh, Fleming's Steakhouse, which was a steakhouse that had opened up in one of the hotels in the Westin Hotel the ground floor in Providence, Rhode Island. Now I got fired for we can we can curse on this, yeah. I've been cursing. We can we I got hours. fired for some bullshit. I mean just just to be very, very frank about it. Um I understood where the GM's head was at, but I come from a place where loyalty matters more than certain things in life. But yeah. in the corporate world sometimes that doesn't translate. Not at all. You know? So I ended up getting fired from a place that I loved and uh there are three people I'm going to shout out when I tell this story. The first person I'm going to shout out is, uh, is my man, Bryce Mack. So Bryce is this really cool dude that I met a long time ago. And um, the day that I had gotten fired from Fleming's, he had accepted a job to be the new general manager at this crazy, like, tea bar in a predominantly Italian neighborhood in Providence, Rhode Island. It's a, a street called Atwell's Apps, called Federal Hill. Okay. So that neighborhood is predominantly Italian in terms of the people that live there, who eat there, frequent there. It's all Italian restaurants. Like, it's crazy. But there was this crazy little Asian tea bar there. And they yeah, just hired my boy to be a GM. And in Rhode Island, it's a very interesting dynamic in terms of nightlife. There are spaces that are exclusively clubs and lounges. But a lot of places at the time that I was there were restaurants huh. that would basically change over between 9 and 11 from a restaurant to a nightclub. So my boy takes this spot as the GM at this place called Forbidden City. It's closed now. 
It was a place called Forbidden City, and there were a tea a tea bar, like a like a tea bar, like a bubble tea bar. Yeah. Um, but he's the the guy who owns it. Another guy I'm gonna shout out, Henry Moo. Uh, shout out Henry Moo. Yeah, Henry Moo. Uh, funny story about that guy. He's he's actually a, a lot more uh, involved in our culture than I thought at first. But uh, he's a uh, he's you, you read him wrong. Yeah, I definitely read him wrong. I love when those people. Yeah, read him. Call wrong. me on my shit, on my like judgmental shit. Yeah. I was like, oh. Oh, you're a real one. Yo, he, my Henry, bad. Henry Moo, super real. My bad. So he, he hires my buddy Bryce. Uh, Bryce takes over to GM this lounge. And I called him because, you know, when you need a job in the industry, you call your friends. Yeah, of course. And as I'm walking out of Fleming's after they fired me, I call up Bryce. And I'm like, hey, man, um, I just got fired from Fleming's over some bullshit. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with myself, but if you've got any, any you know, catering gigs or something that I can do on the side till I figure it out, let me know. And he's like, funny you just called me because I just got hired to run this lounge that we're going to turn into a nightclub and I need a bartender. So he hired me and I, um, I come in for my first night and here, here, was, here was what really kind of put, put me on the path to where I am now. Um, we... It was a place that served tea and food, but they weren't going to serve food anymore. But Henry still wanted to open for Bedden City at 6 o'clock in the afternoon. But now the promoter and the DJs that were coming in to promote the night weren't showing up till 9, 10 o'clock at night. So it became the responsibility of Bryce and I, the general manager and the, bar, the one bartender who was working for them at the time, to figure out a way to allure people into this empty space that serve no food in the middle of an Italian neighborhood. Bryce and I only know hip-hop, funk, R&B, and soul. Um, he and I had very parallel upbringings in how our parents exposed us to the culture. Um, you know, growing up, cleaning your house, doing whatever. Yeah. So we had very similar tastes when it came to hip-hop and, you know, progressively R&B and old school and yada, yada, yada. Um, there was no, this was during the early, this was during the mid to late 2000s when everyone who was relevant was wearing an affliction shirt wow. and people started to pump it up with their fist. Yeah. Um, ironically enough, before. Very graphic long sleeve. Yes. Era. Yes. yes. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the studded out rosaries. Studded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was the culture. And um, that was a, that was the prevalent culture in nightlife in Rhode Island. A lot of the nightclubs that played hip hop had a very negative stigma. Yeah, there's there quotation marks around all of those yeah. words. Yeah. Those were ghetto places. Those were places where you would go and like see bad things. So in the neighborhood that we were operating in, nobody played hip hop. And also, just to like, you know, I I because I've just I'm not claiming any proficiency in Providence, but like I've been to lots of Providence type places where it was like. These are the places that had very real, often prejudiced dress codes. Yes. Like, uh, like no white tees, no ball caps, uh -huh. no this, no this, no that. Which yeah. is basically like, let's keep our clientele as white as possible. Let's keep it as not offensive, quote yeah, unquote, yeah. as possible. Like, 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 as like non-thuggish. Yeah. So the irony of that is, like I so saw again, shout to Bryce, shout to Henry. They are guys who love the culture, embraced the culture, and represented it, and weren't ashamed of it. So progressively, we started playing hip-hop. Um, 
And we were the only ones that did it. And so because Bryce had a hundred different things to do as the general manager, the curation of that playlist fell on me. So huh. I would go and just fill my eye touch with whatever the fuck I wanted to listen to for four hours. And that was the, the base, the rawness of where I started to kind of figure out why music matched up the way that it did. And then the last person that I want to shout out on this story, they would always bring in different DJs for different nights to promote different things. But there's one guy that I got to say taught me and gave me more pride in being a hip hop head than anyone, uh, anyone that I broke bread with uh, for an extended period of time. Actually, there were two DJs. I'm sorry. Uh, the first was uh, DJ, uh, DJ Finesse, uh, who is, um, I think, still DJing. He was the bad boy DJ for a while. But he was the first He dude. came up earlier today. Did you really? We were, t- like, uh, I was talking with the person who we talked to, um, Aunt Denby, who runs the Playlist Festival, like, the, you know, like, the yeah. guy, like, yeah. um, and he was talking about DJ Finesse earlier. Finesse yeah. was, Finesse was a bad boy DJ for a long time, but when he finally moved to Rhode Island, and when he settled there, he was one of the first hip-hop DJs to really kind of break ground in terms of making the culture something that everyone wanted to be a part of. Uh, going back a little bit without going into too much detail, but even before Forbidden City, I was part of a group uh, led by a guy named James Yuli. Shout out to James Yuli, who opened up a night called, Fair, uh, called B-Sides, B-Side Wednesdays. Okay. And what it was, it was at a little nightclub called Fahrenheit, and all he did was play throwback hip hop. Okay. And that's and and it was like nice looking crowd, really cool at the door, but everyone was hood. Like there were hood dudes in there, like at, at any other club, but they knew how to behave, they knew how to act, and it was in those experiences, in that like jaded nightlife culture, um, that really kind of. Swole, swole up my pride in being a hip-hop head. Love that. And when I was working at Forbidden City, we were a very successful nightclub for a long time. Mm-hmm. And if we operated five nights a week, four of them were hip-hop nights. Okay. And we were always turning a profit. I mean, eventually things went differently and it got shut down. But again, I would, I would say that it was because of the culture that we promoted as opposed to the people that we were. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then kind of just to wrap that, the how I got, got into it here at Charlie Bird, uh, I'm very opinionated to a fault. Um, and what was cool about working at Charlie Bird and opening it was when it was just Charlie Bird, Robert, Grant, and Ryan were there all the time. They were always there. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the things I miss most about, uh, and I miss more now that you know we're a bigger group and they've got more places to be, but the cool thing about sharing the floor with Robert specifically was that um, he he's a huge hip hop head, huge, huge hip hop nerd. Which I never, I another person I read wrong. Huge hip hop, huge hip hop head. Shout out Robert, man. Like can recite can recite paid in full, word for word. You know what I mean? One and, of the first people to hit me up about the Spike cover. Oh, he was so pumped. Shout out fucking Robert. Robert Bohr is amazing. Shout and, out Mr. Bohr, my and, guy. And. Uh, so the more that I would work, the more that we would talk about hip hop. Just I would be like, "Hey, this song is great. Do you remember this song? Or do you remember when they put this one out? Or did you ever hear this version of that song?" 
And one day he came to me and he was like, Charlie, he's like, Ryan and I really don't have the time to put music together. He's like, why don't you go home, put some music together, bring it in tomorrow and play it. If it works, in the long run, we'll figure out how to make it work. And it's exactly what happened. I went home, I put together a bunch of music that I thought would work in the space. Um, and I brought it in and they loved it. And the more that I started to work with it, the more that I started to draw on personal experience and just be like, all right, well, man, I'm a waiter, I'm a bartender. Where do I want to hear at seven? What do I want to hear at nine? Yeah. What can I get away with at five when the early birds come in as opposed to what I can get away with at 10? You know yeah. what I mean? Because there's, there are variables in all of that. And that was, that was the opportunity that they gave me. And it's, it's just been great ever since. Um, final question. Quick answer. Um, what is like, what is like, if you, if like in the next year, you're just like, you know, like something that you want to like check off your bucket list. That could be an experience. That could be an occupational like checklist. That could be a personal thing, like somewhere to travel, somewhere to travel. What would be one of those things? If I had the opportunity to check something off a bucket list in the next year, I would say that it would be, um, I would want to have a genuine conversation with, uh, with Jay Cole. Love that. Love that. Yeah. He, um, for being almost 20 years or yeah, about 15 to 20 years old, uh, younger, younger than me. I can't tell you how much of his music speaks to me like onions. Just layers, love that. Layers of messages, and every time I hear the same song again, I feel like I hear something new, and I fucking love that. I love that. So I would love to be able to like catch perspective on how he does that. I love that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, Charlie. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. You're this the man. Awesome. You are the goddamn man. Um, I'm taking my headphones off because I'm shaking your hand and giving you a hug. Hold up. 